Good morning. Blessing to see you all. Welcome to the visitors. Thank you for taking the time and coming out here and worship with us. So I guess we heard our brother Jacob couldn't make it this morning. We wish him God's recovery in whatever is he's fighting with. And uh, so we got a little bit, little bit of a surprise this morning. So uh, I want to talk instead. I want to talk about humble beginnings and humility in our life. And you have to ask, well, why? Why humility? Where where does it where does it come in? And I was sitting here. I was I was pondering on it. I was um, just trying to to collect a little bit thoughts on it. And one of the bigger things that came to my mind is the fact that we want to have an encounter and experience and a life with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then I wondered, okay, who is Christ? Who is Christ in our life? Who is God? Well, he is my creator. He is my Lord. He is my supplier. My master, Adoniah. My provider. My healer. My banner. My sanctifier. Now, the list goes on and on and on. So just having this mindset, what is my composure before God besides humility? We take the idea that we've been given a time here a short time compared to eternity. Without him, we'd be completely lost. Without him, we'd have the wrath of God on our head. Isn't that humbling in itself? Shouldn't we become with humility before him? So I, I want to talk about this, these things a little bit this morning. But before we do, let's bow before the Lord this morning. Lord, we are again humbled just to realize that who you are, just getting a glimpse of who you are, our Lord God, our Creator. And that without you, there is no grace, there is no mercy before the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, instill in us the humility that it takes to walk with this truth. The humility it takes to walk with our brothers and with our sisters. The humility it takes to come before your throne. And to realize that without you, our Lord Jesus, we will never have this privilege. We pray, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit would work in our lives. That we would be of a humble, humble heart. 
that you work this miracle in us to take one of the biggest sins and strongholds, which is called pride, to bind it and to, to deal with it and to embrace humility in our lives. Lord, we pray that you will grant us these truths this morning, that you will sow these truths in our hearts, they bring forth fruit. We pray, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, that you be here with us, that you minister to us, that your presence will fill this room. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The very first line that Jesus said on when he came onto the to the mount at the at the sermon there, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there gives us, again, a, a very sobering truth that without even the humility of God, of a humble heart, there is no kingdom of heaven. And this one commentary said, it's not in... Not the poor in purse, or are so with respect to things temporal. For though God has chosen and called many who are in such a condition of life, yet not all. The kingdom of heaven cannot be said to belong to them all or only, but such as are poor in spiritual sense. So, as we look at scripture, God does have a heart for the poor that are temporal. And we can, and like he said here, and I, I get it, that I believe a lot of people that God will call will be poor. But yet it, I, it's, a hundred, it's a way higher percent, if not a 100%, those that are poor in spirit. He said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> but we first, humility has to be part of, be part of our lives. And we first have to realize and come to grips with one special truth. And it, it cannot just be head knowledge. It has to be truth in our life. And this is in Romans 3.23. He said, For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And maybe so many times we feel like that we do our our duties, we, we go to church, we, we have a certain upbringing, we grew up in a certain family, in a certain home, and we, we, we get some Bible knowledge maybe, maybe later on in life. But remember, we're dealing with a holy, perfect, righteous God. And we all have fallen short, we all have sinned for the, from the glory of God. And being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because of His forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were even previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And he also we read in, in John 14, 
Jesus said unto, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is only one way. And I believe this is where, this is where humility starts. There is a certain inner quality that God is looking for before he can even start working in a person. So let's look into it. First of all, in Mark 10, um, verse 13. And they brought children to him. That they would touch them. That he would touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that had brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. And he said unto them, Suffer the little children come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And I believe this is where it starts in all of us. The Word of God says that that faith comes by hearing the Word. And this is a very important principle of the Kingdom of God. And um, Paul later on wrote, How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? This is how important it is. How shall they hear without a preacher? So we get the word there is, we get the word maybe through preaching or whatever it may be, but in us there is a work that needs to be done, and it's the work of humility to even receive the truth. It's, it's like our everyday life. If I interact even at home with my wife, or with any broader, or the way, just our daily interactions. If I am full of pride, self, anything full of blown up with self, how much will you be able to speak into my life? How much will I consider your pleading? How much will I consider you when you speak? If I have any interaction with any one of you. There will be basically none. It's a dead end. So how can the word of God, as the Holy Spirit is gently nudging and giving us the word, have any effect in our hearts if there's pride there? It doesn't even make sense. So... There is, there is a time when we have to come to the end of ourselves, of our pride, and to let the Holy Spirit move in. And this is when the rubber meets the road. When we say, yes, when humility has started in our lives, and the seeds of God come in, and they start bearing fruit. Jesus said in John 16, 7 to 8, I, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. 
we can already see there that it takes humility on our parts to even receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's going to reprove sin in our life. He's going to convict us of righteousness. He's going to put, bring judgment into our lives and to, and to deal with it. If there's pride, there's no, not even a working start. Not even a work starting in our life. <clears throat> and, and we all have these experiences. We, we all know about it. At the core of each and every one of us. And it was in my life, there's pride. It's there. We cannot deny it. And we have, <clears throat> we have to deal with it. We have to have the Holy Spirit being able to move in and to, and to, and to minister. And if, if pride is there, he cannot do it. <clears throat> and when the moment comes, or if it's still, it, when the Holy Spirit came and the moment is still here, when God meets us and we see God working in a mighty way in our life, I believe there has to be and I, what I call an Isaiah moment, the experience that Isaiah had in chapter 6, 5. When he, when he, encountered, when he encountered God, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I believe... In one point or another in our life, and it should, it should continue, we need to have a moment like this, where we are completely awestruck of the holiness and the majesty of God. When the Holy Spirit touches us in such a way, when, when, we let, when we choose humility, and when the Holy Spirit touches us in such a way where we see who we are, where we see our hopelessness, where we see our, the, all our flesh and our desires, our, our selfishness, and when we see the, the love of God, the mercy of God, when we see a picture of God, there is this awe feeling that I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In a serious encounter like that, everything in our life starts to change. Our perspective, we simply just seem, we feel undone before a great holy God. And it's a continuous, like Brother John brought out in his, in his opening, it's a continuous working like that in our life. We have to create in our lives an environment where we have encounters with God. And it's by choosing that life, that, that time of prayer and, and, and walking in that obedience. <clears throat> so we will be affected. The God of the universe, universe has visited us. The King of the universe. And um, have I been reproved of sin and of unrighteousness? Have I been reproved of sin and of righteousness and of judgment? Has, has the Holy Spirit started working in my life? That is a sign of humility. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? 
For all those things had my hands made, he said. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart and trembled at my word. So, so first he makes this, this confession that he has made all these things. That he, has, that he has created all these things. That who he is, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And all these things have, have been, saith the Lord. But here's to the man that I look. To him that is, a, that is poor and of a contrite heart and trembled at my word. I like to look at that word, tremble, at my word, at, this, at that line. It's, it, to me, it's another, it's, an, uh, it's something that we examine ourselves with, that the, whole, that the word of God is not just another book we have. Or even the word that the Holy Spirit uses through, maybe through preaching or, or through another brother coming with the word, Anything like that, when the word of God, when we are confronted with it, a sign that a man has chosen humility, has chosen God, is that he respects the word of God. And he will at times tremble at it because he sees that it is, it is life-giving. It is the only way. And without, it, without that word, without that leading, he would be lost. To, to be contrite means to acknowledge our limitations and failures, like sins, and to turn from them. Lowliness or humility is an acknowledgement of who we are in comparison to God. God is bigger than anything that we, that we can understand. Better than the best we have experienced in humility, we pursue Him. And talking about humility, David King David, with all good and right intentions, he started to build. He began planning on building the house of God. But God placed a hold on that whole idea and stopped him from continuing. We know there is because then he said, you're a man of war. And David accepted it. And it seems to me he accepted it actually very good, what we can read in Scripture. And that is a sign of his humility and wisdom. It takes humility to turn from our well-intentioned and noble tasks because God tells us to, with little expectation as to why we should stop. Just think about that for a moment. It takes humility. It takes humility from our well-intentioned and noble tasks because God tells us to. With little expectation as to why we should stop. And that is what trembling at God's word is all about. To have such a sensitive heart. To being able to, to receive the word with such respect. And we stop. We stop and we are here. It means to take him seriously. To listen with the intention of obeying. And David dropped his plans as soon as God said so. He who trembles at my word. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabit eternity, whose name is holy, 
I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble heart. <clears throat> I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. When King Josiah started to reign at eight years old, 2 Chronicles 34, 2, And he did which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and he declined neither to the right nor to the left. After he had purged the land from idols and pagan practices, he started rebuilding the temple of his God, as the Bible says, And one of the workers found a book that was given to Moses by God. And in it it says, 2 Chronicles 34, 19, It came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Here again is an example of trembling at the word of God and respecting the word of God. Here they found this old book in renovating the temple. He knew that there was something behind it. He, he heard about it. He knew there's some, there, it was authentic. And he didn't quite try to excuse it. Well, we've gone down this way now, or we've embraced this. Well, nowadays we're doing it this way. No. He stopped. When he heard the words of the law, he rented his clothes. And we know he didn't rent his clothes out of excitement. Yeah, we find an old book. Let's put it into the museum. He was devastated. He saw the condition of the spiritual state of his people. And when he went to the prophetess Hulda, she told him that the judgment of the book will come to pass, verses 24 and 25. And I'm presuming it's maybe Deuteronomy 31. But then she went on to say, 2 Chronicles 34, 27, and it's a description of a genuine repentance before God. And I believe God will not start working in our hearts until he sees that kind of repentance. And it's something I mentioned last week. I believe in this day and age, repentance is, is something that the church does not nearly uphold as it should. We don't. We recognize our sin and we kind of walk away and let, okay, let's, let's try better or something like that. Or we, we embrace sin and we do, not, we do not recognize that it's sin. He who knows what to do and does not do it, what is right and does not do it, to him it is counted as sin. And, and how many times have we looked back and we see where we neglected God, the things of God, and just, eh, well, I should try better, you know, very casual. Where it takes repentance, we're commanded not to neglect the things of God. In 2 Chronicles 34, we see a full repentance. He rented his clothes. And in verse 27, she, the, the prophet said to him, Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his word against this place and against his inhabitants, and you humbled yourselves before me, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all. 
all the calamity which I will bring on this place and, it, and its inhabitants. So they brought back word to the king. God honors repentance, true remorseful repentance. And it can only come with humility. And the description of such a tender heart. Can we ponder that for just a minute? What does a tender heart like that, what does it look like? What do we picture when we see a tender heart? I, I picture soft, easily entreated, compassionate, sensitive, considerate, and humble, contrite. And it's good in our lives to ponder these things. If we are of a tender heart. And a tender heart, we can, we can judge our heart all day long. How do we interact with other people? How do we react when we are entreated? How do we treat our brothers and sisters? How do we treat our, treat our co-workers? How do our children treat one another? A tender heart is what God wants. And if the characteristics of a tender heart are not revealed in us, if it's not evident that we have it, I believe, again, it's not a place where the Holy Spirit can move and work. How can we have a repented heart without a tender heart? I believe it's impossible. Scripture says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save it such as be of a contrite heart. Psalms 34, 18. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God is moved with such a heart. And of course, I, I, I am talking when a, when a person sees something bigger than himself, when he sees and realizes that there is God, that there is eternity, that there is, let's do something with our life. Let's, let's have an eternal mindset. <clears throat> and God loves a broken and a contrite and a humble heart. He is moved by it. We've seen it over and over again in Scripture where he's moved by it. Um, on the other hand, God resists a proud heart. In, uh, in James 4, 6, 10, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your daughters be turned to mourning and your, mourn your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. There is a time, what, what, what captures my heart, there is a time. There has to be times in our life when a, when a humble and a contrite heart has to simply overtake us. We are humans. We feel. 
And it's times like these that God will start moving. These, these moments of repentance, these moments of, of realizing who we are before, before God. And then only we can experience his, his washing, his cleansing, his freedom. The freedom that he gives that only can come from him. The peace that passes all understanding. The, the joy, the, the eternal life, the joy of eternal life. I, these are the times when we'll experience it. We will not experience it by, by capturing a bunch of good Christian ideas and, and try to somewhat live according to them. It is the moving and the, you know, the humbling of a heart. The repentance of a heart, the, the softness and the pureness of a heart that brings us to that point. God wants us all, and this is why we're talking about the heart. The heart is what makes what makes up who I am. When the Bible speaks about the heart, it speaks of who I am. We, we cannot have a, a divided, a divided uh, mentality when, we, when it comes to serving God. This is now me time, now God, I'm going to give you this. This is again, we're holding on, there's something not quite right with our heart. Yesterday we had a need for coffee beans. And so I, so I tried to to come into the rescue, and I went and roasted coffee beans. And I thought my memory served me right, but I still called those that are doing it, David, and these guys that are, have done it before. And the first batch turned out pretty good, actually. And so the second batch, okay, I'm going to go away from their advice. What if I'm just baking these beans and not roasting them? So I turned up the heat. And um, that was a mistake. Grandpa came over there and he thought that the place was on fire. And I put the beans out and half of them were dark black and some were under roasted and some were just right. And it just irked me. That was a mistake that I made now. So I put in another batch and went back to the instructions. And sure enough, they came out just right. And then I looked at these beans. What do I do with them? So I started picking out the black beans. And after a while, I had about a whole jar full of black beans in the garbage. Hey, that seems to be working pretty good. So as I was roasting a few more benches, I kept on pulling out the black beans. And I think I got a whole big bunch of them out. And uh, but it's something, something registered, and, and I talked. I thought about our spiritual life, how we cannot mix it. I've heard, I heard of the voice of several brothers in my ears. Uh, One bean will will destroy a whole cup of coffee, and I, I just ca- I just kept on taking out the black beans. I was, I I spent about half an hour, <laughs> and so it, it hurt me because I made that mistake. And I heard the voice, one black mad bean will destroy a cup of coffee. And But I did as best as I can. And you can, if you want a dark roast, you can help yourself with them. I put them in and marked them dark roast. 
And but I, it registered to me. This is how our our life can be if we try to mix. I'm gonna hold on to this and that, and, and you know, what if this one this one things that we embrace these actions or to destroy that whole cup or some or maybe our, our testimony. And it is in humility that we come before God and realizing who we are, the things that we hold on to. There no let's not make excuses. Yes, it's for this. Oh, it's for this. No, this is what we maybe will destroy our testimony. This is the black bean that will sour that whole cup of coffee. It is in humility that we surrender everything to Christ and give him the reins. Humility continues in our journey with Christ. It's not just the initial time or this one time we showed humility with Christ. We don't turn it on it, turn it on and off at our will. It is the characteristic of a child of God that knows, that realizes and recognizes who his king is. Is humility. And remember the term king. And he gives grace. He knows who he is. God, you don't have to tell God who he is. He knows who he is. And it's only in humility. Like in humility you come before kings. It's only humility we can come before God. We do not come with that part of our lives or this and that and tell him, okay, accept me. No, that is pride. We come in humility. So may, may we embrace it. May we ask the Lord for, for grace to, to see maybe where there's, where there's pride in our lives. But may the Holy Spirit show, show, in our, show us in our life where we hold on to pride. May God give us wisdom. May God give us grace to see that. Amen.